IntelliKey Leadership Stories, the podcast for conscious leaders. We share the lessons learned from global leaders making an impact for their organizations, stakeholders, and investors. For people, community, and environment, we get inspired by their experiences, attitudes, and practices. Here are your hosts for IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, IntelliKey Leadership Story, the podcast for conscious leaders. Well, Kirsten, today's the day that you've been waiting for. Uh, wait. <laughs> We're going to turn one of my favorite leadership assumptions completely on its head. Every week Let's you bust this. me on action, action. What's the action? What are the next steps? And you say, can't we just reflect? Can't we just take it in? <laughs> Here we go today. Here we go, Mark. Yes. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Well, our guest is going to help guide us through that thought. Our guest is Jenny Uppel. Jenny, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me. It sounds like you are the perfect duo for me to speak to about well, my book. I, yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, the title of Jenny's book is In Action, Rethinking the Path to Results. And in fact, she kind of sets up some downsides of the bias for action that we have and just the punctuation we're going to get to. It's in slash action. So I think there's a lot of meanings that we're going to drive down. Oh, Jenny has 20 plus years of technology and business experience. She's worked at places like AT&T and IBM, and she's done a lot with retail and e-commerce for places like Bed Bath & Beyond, Kohl's, Macy's. But she, her, her real driving passion of transformation is working with teams of change agents and catalysts. And that's what I find so interesting, Jenny, and maybe we start there. You know, we've got to drive change. We've got to drive uh, transformation. And yet you're setting us up for, let's don't uh, focus on action all the time. Tell us about that. It does sound like a contradiction, doesn't it? <laughs> and that is why I wrote the book, because I, in many ways, experienced that contradiction. So I'm a technologist. That's, you know, my training. And because I was always a person brought from the outside to drive change in older companies, I was always the one to let's do it. I was the one to drive change, which requires action. We are not going to sit and worry about what might go wrong. We're going to go for it. We're going to do small pilots. We're going to experiment. And then we're going to scale. And because I had this journey, this career for many years, I convinced myself that I was successful because I'm action oriented and I have a bias for action. And that's the story I told myself and everybody who would listen. And the environments that I worked in, this was acknowledged and appreciated, right? People want to work with somebody who's action-oriented, not somebody who's inaction-oriented. <laughs> um, in, the, in the spring of 2020, I found myself without a conventional job, and I found myself not happy about it. So even though I was working with startups, I was doing other things, but not having a structured, action-oriented life just, just put me in a state of distress. <laughs> like, that was it. And I was reflecting on my own life, Mark, and uh, I noticed that in my career, I've had a few pivots. You know, I was in telecom, then I went into e-commerce, I was in technology, I went into business strategy. I made some bold moves. But when I reflected, I realized before every bold move, there was a period of downtime. I would, I would have called it downtime as if I am not doing enough. Now, I hated those periods, so I would not acknowledge them. I would only acknowledge the action I took. <laughs> Yes. 
And so this, this reflection made me question what really drives great progress, not incremental daily progress, but fabulous progress. Is it action or inaction? And the result is the book. And it, it's a combination of stories from other successful people, research from my own life. And here I am. I love this. Some of these statements are pretty provocative around the book, that action sometimes is not only unnecessary, it could be counterproductive. Expound right. on that a little bit. Okay, right. Before you do that, I want to know how many people in our audience are going, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? We can't. we have so much to do right right people who are very action oriented they are convinced that I've got to take action to get to the results and what I'm saying in the book through examples and stories is very often that action is probably not needed if you're working in a very complex and dynamic environment very often the thing to do is wait for better information to come along or wait for things to sort themselves out so you are not interfering with the flow of what's happening. So people who are very action-oriented, they're almost overacting where you don't need to, or you're wasting your own mental bandwidth, physical time, doing things that are not needed. Mm -hmm. That is a thesis of the books that very often the bias for action makes you do things that are not needed or actually might get in your way. Mm. You know, it's interesting as you're speaking to this, I'm automatically going to, you know, a, a side that's becoming more and more adapted in the workforce, which is intuition, right? Right. In those moments, those quiet moments of stepping back and letting things unfold, that really requires some intuitive guidance some gut checks, some listening to something that you might overlook if you're in action, And, you know, for not using a spiritual word, you know, the gut, like seeing what is to come. Do you have a sense of that in the work that you do? I want to share a story. When I finished my manuscript, I sent it to a friend of mine who is in the performing arts world. He makes plays for a living. And this is the only friend I have in the performing arts world. And I was like, you know, there are a lot of ideas that the book is all about taking thoughtful pauses long enough for creative ideas to come through. And so what you're talking about intuition is making room for creation to come through you as opposed to you chasing the idea. And I thought, hey, let me ask somebody in the creative arts profession, you know, I'm a business person, let me get a different perspective. And this guy said, this is a great book, you know, well done, but this is how I live. This is how people in the creative arts operate they know when they're up against a really difficult creative idea, whether it's a play, a scene, or a a character development, they know the thing is to walk away from it, go to sleep. The next day, some inspiration will show up. Those of us in the business and professional world, we didn't get the memo on this. No. (laughs) We were told, (laughs) you got to do, do, do. And we, we underestimate the power of a thoughtful pause. I was reading an interview from, uh, by uh, Tim Cook, you know, the Apple CEO, how he starts his day a bit late. He gives himself an hour or two to do, to do a bit, bit of puttering about, excuse me, I take it back. It was Jeff Bezos. I'm mixing mm-hmm. <laughs> CEOs here, but he does a couple of hours of puttering about, like doing nothing in the morning. And that's, you know, his choice of time. But you could do that puttering about another time in the day. It could be 10 minutes. It could be 15 minutes. The the idea is to declutter your mind from the noise that you are collecting 
all day long mm-hmm. and allow your mind to connect the dots and come up with ideas. Well, and this is great. And you, you mentioned your own reflection and your own time you know, to think. You've talked about Jeff Bezos. You've talked about this creative individual. Do you have any examples of corporate reflection where the board has to step back, where the whole department has to take <laughs> some time? Yeah, you know, not right. just the individual. Well, um, change of this sort, reflection in action of this sort comes from individuals. I'm going to share with you the story of a Dutch entrepreneur that I interviewed who was to make a pitch to a client. The story is from 2012, and he happened to be early in that new city where he was to pitch to a client, and uh, he had an hour, so he decided to walk around and let his mind wander instead of doing what he normally, what people normally do, which is rehearse the heck out of your pitch, get ready, get wired up, get energized. He just walked around. I'll summarize. Of course, it went very well. He landed the pitch. He, you know, did very well. More importantly, he reflected on his own behavior. He said, the way I showed up in the meeting, I noticed a change in my behavior. I wasn't wired. I was relaxed. I was speaking like a partner rather than somebody who is pitching. Mm -hmm. And he was like, wow, this is great. I'm going to do this. He started doing it. His co-owner questioned him. Why are you taking an hour off before every client pitch? This is not billable. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, who, who are you billing? I, I know those people. Yeah. Right. What, what, where, is, where's, what is the code on your timesheet for walking the, around? Where is the revenue model of you walking for an hour? And he said, I'll do it on my own time. Over a period of time, he tells me, of course, his business grew. He's, he's a very successful entrepreneur with a large team today. He said, my team started following me, doing what I'm doing. I did not mandate it. They just saw my change in behavior and now everybody does it. And they've changed their billing model to make it more fixed fee and outcome-based. Their business has matured. You can't mandate it. You can't make people live this way. You can live this way yourself as a leader. And when people see the consequences, the change in your behavior, they're going to want to do what you're doing. I think one of the observations we had was that you meant it to be strategic in action not just laziness or not just avoiding a decision or avoiding a, you know, difficult conversation that you needed to have, but rather putting this in a strategy way of thinking. Right. I, yeah, I wanted to think of how to phrase it so that I'm implying a choice. Inaction usually is associated with paralytic inaction. Like Mm. I'm paralyzed as if I'm helpless and I'm saying, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Inaction has its quality, has its benefits. We just think of it, we stigmatize it. But a thoughtful pause, a confident pause that either this is not the right action or this is not the right time. Maybe tomorrow is the day for me to take that action. That is what the book is about. And so as an author, you know, you have to think of language. <laughs> you almost have to create your new language. And I was like, strategic inaction is, strategy implies a choice as if you're thinking long-term. I'm here for the long game. It's not about doing this today for the sake of doing it. I'm doing this because I'm, I want to live to see another day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, as you're speaking, I'm thinking of all the times I've spent in corporate and, you know, I was always the, I'll see you at nine o'clock, even though I'm up at five, right. I'll take my calls, get my emails, but then I'm going for a walk, getting my green juice, going to work. Right. God, it used to make them so angry because I just, they couldn't get me into the office before nine o'clock, but <laughs> 
And to your point, right, there's people do what the leaders do. So there's a fear that if you're not in the office by seven foregoing anything that would be meaningful to your own well-being, right, which ultimately benefits the company you're working with, there's a fear that's imparted, right? Because they control right. the outcome of your career dependent on how well you line into the collective think tank, right? Right. So by offering this pause, this ability to everybody to do that, I want to, I'm bringing it back to creativity, right? This is the, this is the beginning of true innovation. Right. right? And because people are going to have the right to speak, take the time, right? It opens up a greater context. It, do you find that in a group dynamic where with the pause, there's better communication and collaboration? It's much more powerful, the communication you have when you introduce pauses or meetings, teams that need to work together. I actually have a chapter in the book on the power of verbal silence in conversations, in negotiations, in team meetings, and there's science to prove that something as simple as a thoughtful pause of a few seconds in a meeting just leads to better outcomes for a team meeting. So it, it is, is counterintuitive. That is, a, that is an art sale, right? Well, it is. Say and we have to a lot say of only and verbal, then stop. <laughs> yeah, and nonverbal communication. Huh? I, I worked with a guy who would push away from the table, you know, mm. not... And it was almost like pushing away became a pulling in. You wanted to lean in to hear what go. I was about to say. So good. Well, our guest is Jenny Uppel. She's the author, and we've been talking about her book, In Action, Rethinking the Path to Results. And Jenny, I want to turn the page to your own personal path. You know, you, you have talked a little bit about moving from corporate to now more of an advisory, uh, more of a consulting role. How has that transition been for you and sort of rethinking what leadership means in your daily life? That's a great question. My transition is in progress. Mm -hmm. So we shall see where this lands up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, have, I have an interesting, another story. In January of 2020, just before the pandemic broke, I had uh, already left my previous role and I wanted to take a step back and ask myself, what kind of a life do I want to live versus the life I'm living? And I remember writing down, you know, I want to have multiple sources of intellectual gratification and multiple sources of income. Somehow these are the words that came up and I wrote it down. The pandemic came and, you know, slowed things down. I meant to get another job in corporate because I feel good about it to this day. But I also wanted to have other interests in the startup world and real estate and so on and so forth. I never meant to write a book. It was never on my list of things to do ever, ever, ever. Mm -hmm. But I had uh, written a speech, motivational speech, as like an academic exercise. And a friend of mine said, you should write a book. My first reaction was, of course not. It is such a distraction. I have all these other things to do. Of course, I wrote the book, which is why we are speaking. But if you really think about it, the book I said originally that I wanted multiple sources of intellectual gratification, and that is this book, hmm. right? Oh, I didn't have author friends in my life, so I didn't have somebody to look to and say, they've written a book, so should I. It's almost like when I allowed myself to step away, even from my own vision or goals, life presented an opportunity, which I first said no to, 
Then I said yes to only to realize, oh my goodness, isn't this what I wanted all along? Which is not to say that I will never get a job. I will probably work in corporate again because I do still like that life. So, which is why I said, this is my transition is work in progress. I feel like the book will always be part of my life. My consulting work, my work with startups will always be part of my life. And there are other things that will add on. It's just that what I've done now is I have diversified my interests and I will not undiversify them because I like all of this. So I'm finding my way into this new life. And these are all foundational pieces that are being put in place. Yes. I love the work in progress, uh, I guess, sense of it, you know, and perspective. Right. Even, I know even as you uh, joined us, you said, what is this title of this podcast? Intellicky. You know, right. and it's like, and, and pursuing one's, you know, full potential, your soul's purpose, you know, what you were sort of quote unquote meant to do. Uh, isn't it interesting maybe how the quietness of this reflection does bring us to our soul's purpose sometimes? Isn't that amazing? I mean, the irony of my own life is the downtime that came about because of the pandemic took me in the direction of writing a book, which I never meant to, which I, but now I'm so grateful I did. Left to my own devices, I would have not done this, <laughs> right? I would have done my usual formula of get a job, do this, which I probably will anyway, but I'm so grateful that this opened up. You were sharing before we got online, Mark, how what you thought you were going to do with this podcast when you started two years ago, whereas where it is now, it's life is so dynamic. And I, going back to my book, people who are very determined and very action oriented, on the one hand, that is a plus, it's a positive quality. On the other hand, you are at risk of getting a tunnel vision, as in that all you know is what you think you want. Whereas life is beautifully dynamic, like life is complex. There are so many ways of being successful. And the subtitle of the book, Rethinking the Path to Results, is exactly that. There are many ways to being successful, not the formula that you think you're convinced you have. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. So what would you offer our listeners as a first step, right? We call them, we take pride in our type A-ness, if you will, right? But how, what would what would you offer the guests who are really starting to hit that? Because there's a burnout stage that comes. You can only go so long, right? That's, that's so true. And first of all, I'll say if you're ambitious and action-oriented, kudos to you. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Just acknowledge that that very action orientation can get in your way. So the question is, so then what? What do I do about it? Uh, and again, don't get too ambitious about strategic inaction either. <laughs> don't make that your next goal introduce small ways of giving yourself a break. I've started talking about building restorative habits, mm -hmm. giving yourself intermittent breaks throughout the day. Very few people truly control their schedule. So, you know, maybe you can't take a, a day off or days off at once, but instead maybe develop a, a habit of taking 10 minute breaks once a day, or maybe a couple of times a week and just do nothing. Allow your mind to declutter. So the problems that you're working on, just watch how your mind sorts it out. So it's a matter of developing habits, small habits of taking a break and giving yourself a mental break. And start yeah. small. Excellent practice. Great suggestion. 
Well, Jenny, we can't thank you enough. Before we close, we want to be sure that people know where to find you and connect with you and learn more about the book and the work that you're doing. How can we, how can we of connect? Of course. Uh, and thank you for asking me that. My first and last name is fairly unique. And so I'm easy to find. Um, so ginnyopal.com is the best way. Uh, there's a way to contact me. It's J-I-N-N-Y-U-P-P-A-L.com. And the book is available everywhere you buy on books online. Uh, terrific. Well, I love the suggestion, Kirsten, of taking these sort of 10-minute breaks or, you know, stepping back from the problem. And I love the creative person, uh, you know, the performing arts uh, friend of yours, Jenny, who said, that's what we do. We sleep on it. It's not <laughs> right. even a thing. We just do that, right? Right, right. So, I thought they were just enjoying life, just saying. <laughs> isn't that what it looks like? It and does. Isn't that how I... life should be? Like, we're supposed yeah. to enjoy. We're not here to work ourselves to death. <laughs> exactly. Well, our guest has been Jenny Eppel. Her book is In Action, Rethinking the Path to Results. And we just can't thank you enough for being on the show. Kirsten, 125 guests uh, before we talk to Jenny. And we've got more lined up, these conversations. You talk about the path to results. We have taken the winding road of guests and learned so much, haven't we? Oh, gosh, Mark, you know, when I, I we were laughing before we came on here, right, about our first guest, Melissa, Melissa Walsh, just really the right when COVID started yes, yes. <laughs> and the, what the path we've taken since then, you know. Yeah. yeah. And we've talked to entrepreneurs and authors and uh, we had marriage advice from John David and Anna Mann. <laughs> and it was, it's been terrific as we've gone through. And Jenny, thanks again for being on this episode. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. And listeners, come back again as we continue our exploration of what it means to pursue our IntelliKey, what it means to allow in some regards that we don't have to drive it, allow your soul's purpose to come out. And that's what IntelliKey is all about. So until next time, for Kirsten Goldie, I'm Mark Stenson for IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories with Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn and visit our website, pureintellikey.com. I'm Jared Kajak. Join us again for our next episode of IntelliKey Leadership Stories. This podcast is produced by BSB Media. We also host two other podcasts you might enjoy, Unlocking Your World of Creativity and Five Minutes of Peace. Subscribe today and leave a review on your favorite podcast player.